We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Howdy. Hey, howdy, hey. Lissa is apparently en route to airport. She has sent me a picture of her grinning, so I think we should tell the audience that she hates them. <laughs> I think they already know. Um, we're recording, okay, so they're they're aware. Um, Excellent. Good. Yeah. They, audience, they, they know. Lissa hates you. <laughs> they know what's going on. She thinks that traveling is more important. I'm going to see family, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't do either one of those things. <laughs> nope. I make my family come see me. And by family, I mean my two mm. children that don't have a choice. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you're you're their ride, so like double whammy, right? Exactly, exactly. I think they would say the word chauffeur is more accurate. But... <laughs> Do they know the word chauffeur? Because that's hella impressive. Oh hell yeah, they know the word chauffeur. Dude, my kids are smart as fuck, and like that's not they me are. bragging. Like as a parent, like yeah, oh it's yeah. my, it's all them. Like yeah, you know what I mean. Like I mean they're not like they're not like little yo-yo Ma's or anything like that. They're not like composing <laughs> like the, the next symphony, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> It was one of the only things I was praised for as a child. They're like, oh, he's smart. Like, he knows a lot of words, but he's a fucking dummy. You know what I mean? Like, I I could say a lot of things, and I knew what they meant, but then they asked me to do math, and I was like, sure, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Four. Definitely four. Mm -hmm. Just in general. I know know shapes and what a circumference is, and also all of the equations and what numbers to put in those equations. It's my favorite thing about being the tax guy of, like, my friend group, <laughs> multiple friend groups, actually, at this point, is they're like, oh, man, Terry's so good with math. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I memorized <laughs> the very specific set of rules that the government judges their math on. <laughs> that is that is all. I'm not good at math at all. Yeah, in taxes- fact. Yeah. Taxes is really simple math. It's just knowing all of the yeah, the the jargon yeah. and the blue around it. But it, it intrinsically it is simple math, but memorizing all the stupid shit that hides that simple math, that is the true talent. Yeah, it's just like knowing the rules where it's like that's illegal. Don't do that with your taxes. If you do this thing with your taxes, you get more money or you pay less money. Exactly. It's not it's not a matter of intelligence. It's rote memorization. It's uh, it's the way that the American school system really flourishes is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm yeah, doing yeah. them proud, probably. Absolutely. Speaking of doing them proud, um, this is the Cave Trolls podcast, and each week we do you proud by bringing you all the nerdy news from the TTRPG space you need to know, and if you get it somewhere else, it's wrong. That's definitely not true. We are the only D&D news source or other TTRPGs. We definitely don't get our news from other news publications. Nope. Uh, Like wonderful places. Exactly. Like Dicebreaker or (laughs) comicbook.com or CBR or IGN or io9 or Gizmodo. All those wonderful places. No, no, no. We make it all up ourselves. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> as I'm getting ready to reference Alex Meehan and a bunch <laughs> of other people. Uh, my name is Terry Smith, your faithful host. And uh, I guess I have Char with me, one half of the Slovenly Trolls. Yep, the best half. And guess what other half isn't here to contradict me. So, really, what I say is law. Um, I, we got a picture of Lissa 
um, at a train stop saying, uh, have fun recording live view of me fucking off. <laughs> <laughs> that is that. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, good for her. Bad for us. It's fine. You just have to deal with us talking about the news. It's okay. Exactly. Fucking off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's just trying to dox herself. I, I'm not going to read out her location, but she's traveling abroad. Here's the coordinates. Here's the, the exact number you have to put into Google Maps. <laughs> GPS is dangerous, okay? Sometimes you tear down the wrong house, as my TikTok keeps telling me. It's true. I had to resist the urge to tweet something the other day that might accidentally dox me, and I'm very proud of myself. I feel like that's something, it's shitty, just in general, not to get into full-on politics this early in the morning, uh, but I, I feel like that's something you have to worry about a little bit more. Obviously, I don't want to dox myself, I, I have a family here, but I feel like people are less interested in finding out where the straight white dude lives, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I, right right um single white female i feel like that's often what i see on the news so just be careful you know exactly i that's why i had the urge i was so close and i'll tell you off air as to what it was because i think you'll find it interesting what i wanted to tweet out but i can't say it like on air or else i might actually dox myself. <laughs> <laughs> did it have anything to do with gerps no it did not i'm not interested then um that's very rude. <laughs> so, uh, first up, we get into our bits and bobs sections where we talk about all of the the new games and supplements and little dice monsters that are coming out now. But I have one that's not on the docket because I forgot. I follow Steve Jackson Games on TikTok as well as Twitter and a bunch of other places. And I'm on their mailing list. Uh, I'm not obsessed. You're obsessed. And uh, right now, it's Gers has been going through a little bit of a renaissance. We've talked about it a little bit on here. Uh, with people like trying to play new games with the OGL madness right now. And uh, they were like, oh man, if only they came out with a new edition. And then their TikTok uh, put up a video that was like, well, listen, we're not, uh, say if, if hypothetically, if we were to do that, what would be your notes? And, you know, of course, I sent over my 40 page uh, <laughs> uh, manifesto, is probably the proper way to describe it. <laughs> but I said, like, this will fix your game, do it, and I will buy all of the copies. Um, so not an official announcement from Steve Jackson Games that GURPS is getting a fifth edition, but uh, maybe that but, they're working on it. Yeah, it, it's pointing in that in some similar direction, I exactly. Say. Which is just super exciting. I love that game. I recently roped you into a new game, um, yeah. using GURPS. So I like uh, too, like, I don't talk about GURPS as much on this show. I often talk about Cortex because that's what I use to run all of my like cinematic superhero games. So mm -hmm. Cortex is often the one I go to, but GURPS is literally good for anything when it comes to mm -hmm. a TTRPG. You can do whatever you want with it. So my first thought when I said, oh, okay, we're going to do a fantasy game outside of D&D, &D, we got to go GURPS. And you were like, oh, how the fuck do I play GURPS? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I've heard of it. I've, I've known of GURPS, I think, since high school. Sure, I sure. just have no idea, like... I have no idea what any of it means. I've never seen a GURPS book in my life. <laughs> sure you have. Have you ever seen a plane manual? That's a GURPS book. <laughs> <laughs> any manual for anything ever. That's GURPS. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, kind of. Like, GURPS, it's the generic universal role-playing system, and they yeah. mean it. Like, you can do whatever you want with GURPS. Um, I have a lexicon of GURPS PDFs. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like a small Congress, uh, Library of Congress, um, on its mm -hmm. own special three terabyte drive because mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, just in case you know it floods or anything, you know, you gotta have backups for the important things. My children's pictures, definitely not. My GURPS books, almost definitely. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited for you to finally try. It's a very easy system. 3D6, you roll under your stat, kind of like Cthulhu-esque, you know, you, you wanna... Yeah, you roll under. Exactly. Once you understand that, it's very simple. As you get, like, stronger, you level shit up, your stat goes higher, easier to roll under. Damn, damn. You you know how to play GURPS now. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Yeah, the real difficulty is that as the building in GURPS is fucking complicated, um, and not like yeah. it's hard. It's that there's so many options. It's the yeah, epitome like, of I point by. I'm somebody who's like super always overwhelmed by choice, <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I need help. That's why I me and John sent so you two funny. books. We're like, yeah. here's the basic book, and here's <laughs> fantasy. Even though notoriously my favorite thing to do to John, because John will like whenever we play these big like universal games or even like normal games like D D, where it's like there's many expansions and he'll go well which books are allowed in this setting my favorite thing to go is any of them i'll make it work and he hates it because yeah. he's like well now i gotta pull out 45 fucking books and try to fix shit <laughs> with the only i'm only okay doing that with D D because i know the book so well but mm -hmm. any system that i don't i would absolutely be it's just like any new player in any ttrpg sure. i think we probably talked about that when we talked about on this podcast like D, D basics or one of our dming episodes where it's just like don't tell your players to like read every book just give them the player's handbook and mm -hmm. just start very very narrow to avoid stressing them out 100 percent. and i think honestly it'll be easier for you because you're not a min max player you're not like hey i'm gonna make this the most technically savvy mechanical uh character mm -hmm. ever you go for this is what i want my character to be so just do that come up with a cool character we'll make it work we'll help you build it yeah. and find the options afterwards because like it. if that's the cool thing about Gurf, there's no limitations you don't have to be like oh I, what are my choices your choices are anything <laughs> like ah. I, in my setting there's not a lot of giant robots there's some giant robots there's not a lot of giant yeah, robots uh uh large pikachus there's none of those you don't need to hunt down building a large Great. pikachu um okay. you know stats so you know there there's some limitations but you figure out what you want to be we'll make it work i got literally 300 gurps for ebooks um i'm sorry how many 300 some of those to be fair like pyramid magazine it's only it's like 40 pages long or something um and then uh, don't even get me started on 3e where there's <laughs> 10 times as many God. books uh that's that's when i really got into gurps but uh i fucking love yeah. it final aside before we finally get to the show people are like well, what's the fucking news terry um <laughs> stop talking about gurps gurps is the news okay <laughs> this is now a GURPS show <laughs> Uh, when I was 16, uh, was right around when I first started playing D and D and I started talking to one of my favorite teachers in the world. Uh, Mr. Kalashevsky, Mr. K, uh, best teacher ever was like, Oh, you like D and D? Like, I know you like superheroes. Have you played GURPS supers? I was like, what the fuck is GURPS supers? And he was like, well, GURPS is the generic universal role-playing system where you can play anything, but then there's superhero ones. So if you want to play a superhero D and D game, which was a dream of mine that I didn't know I had until that moment, um, this is the best way to do it and he would tell me regale me with stories of playing superhero D and D, and i was like well take me to there i want to go to there i need this in my life and he helped me find the books and i have never looked back since uh so yes yeah. <laughs> now going on Good over exactly it's the best um 
and i you think it's complicated because it is but <laughs> like everything nerdy when someone's like no no it's really not that bad it really isn't like magic the gathering not that complicated once you learn how to play it there's just a learning curve there's just there's a, you have there's to try a learning curve yeah and the shape of that curve depends on the shape. Sometimes it's like going downhill because it's easier than you thought. Sometimes it's just a wiggly, wobbly, timey-wimey space jammer. <laughs> space jammer. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So let me highlight all the books in my – oh, no, I can't. I have folders. I, why am I so um, organized? <laughs> well, at least in this folder, I have 208 um but there's there's lots of other ones because i have other sorted ones uh Mm. so yeah there's a lot of books for for 4e and you don't need to buy all of them a lot of it is like hey do you want like more spells for your thing that's already made up or do you want like here's very specific ships to make your game seem like star trek like shit Mm. like that um supplemental exactly that's why my kids aren't gonna be able to go to college um Mm -hmm, obviously Anyways, yeah, bits and bobs. That that was GURPS. Um, now, the next expansion for Alice is Missing introduces new locations, suspects, and clues to the texting RPG. Um, were you on the episode when we talked about Alice is Missing, Char? I think so, but I don't remember going super in-depth with it. I think it was just like... There was some announcement regarding it. I think mm-hmm. it had already been out, but I think there was some other update to it. And this is me screaming this article realizing that it's a texting tabletop role-playing game which is a really interesting concept that i did not know existed until this moment <laughs> yeah designed by spencer stark they did things like uh well obviously alice is missing the original and uh icarus so mm-hmm. you, you use a deck of cards it's mostly a texting rpg and you finish it in one sitting um every single time it's like a one-shot machine kind of thing when it comes to that and you solve a mystery that's kind of procedurally generated by the cards and your choices it's really fucking neat um it's the one i would recommend to people who like oh we got we do like hunt a killer or something like that but we want to tell a story do our own kind of thing um it's it's very fun i wouldn't play it with people who have never gm'd before like i wouldn't do that um i i had played it and i, and I kind of ran it and it's kind of gmless but um and it went really smooth and then i talked to a couple friends who did that who had never run a game of like D before and while you can totally do that there's a little bit of a learning curve a little bit of ah. someone needs to stare this narrative a little bit fill in gaps sure um and yeah. it was hard for them to do without that you know improv mentality used to doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so i would that's my one recommendation for alice is missing but really fun i'm excited for the expansion the expansion's called missing or no not no uh silent falls that's what it's called so new deck of cards uh you like it, i think it doubles the numbers uh number of cards in the deck so you can do something completely different i know some people who play it play it a lot so you've kind of seen every iteration that you could do Mm -hmm. um based on the cards you can still improv and do your own thing depending on player choices but um this is exactly the type of thing that you want for the expansion not adding too many mechanics just hey here's a new deck of cards to to go all in and um i'm definitely purchasing it any interest in alice is missing it sounds interesting. I'd definitely be willing to give it a try, especially if it is if it's a storytelling game. I'm usually on board because that's usually what I do when I I do story based games when I DM. I like playing in story based like RPGs. So if it if it relies on that kind of tool set, I think um, 
it would be something that I would enjoy playing. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones to do if I can only do it over Discord or if I'm playing with people who are kind of scared of the dice. Um, like, my go to when I. Scared of dice? Well, I mean, like, scared, like I gotta build a character, and I don't know my stats, oh, and I just okay. want to try it out. Okay, yeah. That kind of crowd, like, uh, notoriously, what I do a lot with my family, and they're like, "Well, we want to try D and D or whatever." I play Dread with them. It's Jenga Tower, you know. Mm-hmm. You have like a backstory, but mm-hmm. then you like you want to do something. If you might die or get hurt or whatever, you pull, um, you pull the Jenga um, piece or the Jumbling Tower piece, as I use. Um, mm-hmm. And if it falls, your character dies or bad things happen, and that's it's really simple for Dread my new thing that i've been introducing to them is alice is missing because it is also simple rules light quick to play i think the official time is 90 minutes for a playthrough for me it's never gone under two hours but that could be you know storytelling people having fun bullshitting that kind of thing um but still for a first time player two hours is a lot easier of a thing than like a one shot of DD, which sometimes goes five six hours you know Mm mm-hmm so I definitely recommend it. I'm excited for um, the expansion. Check that out. Um, I'll put the link in there so you can do that. I think um, you can still get everything on Kickstarter, but Renegade uh, Renegade uh, Game Studios is the maker uh, or the publisher of the game. Uh, so check them out. Alice is missing. Whatever I said before. Uh, <laughs> sorry the coffee still hasn't kicked in if you can't tell um i've had one cup but i'm drinking the second cup as we speak next up i've only had the one cup oh you need you need two more um let's let's I kick know. this into gear um another expansion merc borg's next expansion econ is a tabletop rpg mystery box about profane folk gods uh if only Lissa was here it's got everything haha <laughs> Eastern European, Gothic horror. Oh, man. It's her cup of tea, really. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Merkborg is one of my favorite role-playing games ever. Uh, it's great for a little bit of like the old-school crowd because it's a little bit harder, a little bit easier to die. But as you get a little bit more used to it, just like you just play a little bit more careful, it's what I use to run Dark Souls-like games. Um, even though there's a Dark Souls RPG and <laughs> there's a whole thing uh, running into that scene like Elden Ring but uh, Merkborg is definitely the way I go about that and the expansion is leaning into way more mystery, folk horror um, with the same fucking gorgeous art uh, there's not too much else to say about it uh, if you like Merkborg, you're definitely going to check it out if you haven't played Merkborg, try Merkborg out the base one first but mm-hmm. The new expansion just gets me excited that the game's still getting published. Cyborg's doing really well, their Cyberpunk one. So just seeing more games under that license, underneath that banner, is really exciting. I'm going to keep fucking playing it until um, I die, probably. Um, this book specifically is going to contain 40 oil-painted illustrations from Samuel Araya, whose past clients include World of Darkness, uh, Maker Onyx Path, White Wolf, tour and a bunch of other like uh, they do a lot of like music covers so a lot of like uh mm-hmm. album covers and shit there uh so definitely check that like one of the highlights it's funny it's an rpg but we always talk about the art Merkborg specifically has some of the most gorgeous art that you can yes. get in a book and their books are really well laid out and look really fucking awesome to me i think they have that like graphic novel feel like even if you don't yeah. read a lot of comic books you see a graphic novel you're like that just looks dope and that's how Merkborg yeah. sits on my uh, shelf so 
Highly recommend it. Go check that shit out. Uh, finally, uh, is it finally? No, no. I put too much stuff on this document. We're going to be talking until like noon. Um, <laughs> Warhammer RPG Maker announces new D&D 5e compatible system alongside tragic fantasy setting. Uh, tragic fantasy. Yeah, I know. This comes from Chase Carter over at uh, over at Dicebreaker. This, this got me a little bit because it was, oh, tragic fantasy. If you know anything about the Warhammer setting, like not 40k, just the base Warhammer, it's already a very tragic setting. Like everyone's dying from famine. There's gigantic, you know... Ooh rats fucking everywhere um uh spreading the plague it's already a fucking tragic setting i don't know why they need a new one but here it comes um they're calling it the c7 d20 system and it's going to be compatible with dungeons and dragons 5e the srd 5.1 which we'll get into soon entering the creative commons is a lot of people to be like all right well we're still going to release some shit here um it'll be a little bit easier uh cubicle 7's rpg rule set compatible with 5e tabletop material uh they're releasing their own new setting with it um i don't know the idea they're describing it as post-apocalyptic tragic fantasy setting will be um and it's going to be compatible with all the stuff that we mentioned uh one piece of key art shows a knight wearing a horned helmet uh festooned with sashes charms and ornamental colors the crumbly ruins of a temple fills the background hinting at a broken world perhaps in the midst or immediate aftermath of wide-scale societal upheaval. You know, the perfect framework for sad storytelling <laughs> and swinging massive swords. Of course, nothing there yeah, is, like, blowing my mind, but also I'm not against anything that they're saying. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit excited. I would have preferred it was in their original Warhammer system because I really liked the system. I didn't like the setting as much. I don't really care about Warhammer or Warhammer 40K when it comes to the setting. But still, I'll check out the new system being 5e compatible. Probably means that, hey, this has the 5e base work and we've added a lot of mechanics to it. That's what a lot of uh, a lot of things coming out these days are doing. Same thing with, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but Project Black Fag has said, hey, we're not really doing our completely own thing. It's still going to be 5e compatible, which mm-hmm. I know some people are super excited for. Uh, I was really excited for Project Black Flag being a little bit more of its own thing, uh, but instead it's going to be more along the five E lines, which makes more sense. That's what Kobold Press. Uh, yeah, um, that's what they specialize in. That's what they specialize in. Yeah. I was just a little bit disappointed. I'm like, nah, make something, do it. But yeah, I you understand. You have so the many risk. eyes on you, and you have the platform for it if you really wanted to. But now it makes more sense why they were able to announce it so quickly, right? Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> right, like it's just like we—that's something we were real, all really skeptical of. They're like, "Wow, they were able to announce it. Must mean they were working on it for a long time." Which doesn't mean that they yeah. weren't, but it, it makes more sense why they were ready to go. They're like, "Well, we already had a base for it, so," mm-hmm. which is fine. Honestly, it'll be cool. I don't have to feel as guilty now. Um, going to a D twenty set. Usually, if I want to do D twenty that isn't D and D, I go with the OSR system or D twenty modern specifically. Um, but now maybe I'll have a few choices here. Um, next up, what do we got? Uh, the fifth season RPG brings N.K. Jemisin's fantasy novel trilogy to the tabletop. Do you know anything about this? Um, I know N.K. Jemisin's name, mm-hmm. Jemisin's name, but I've never read any of her books. Um, cause I accidentally picked up like book three. <laughs> in her, I was going to say, I think, I think I had the same thing. I think I, it's, what's the name of the, it's broken world, broken yeah, the bro- earth, broken earth. I think broken yeah. earth. Yeah. I have book three here. Is that just a common thing? 
It must have been because I picked it up in a um, just in a bookshop. Yeah. And that was the only one they had, and I just assumed, apparently wrongly so, <laughs> that it was the first book. But then you open it up, and it was like, yeah, book three of xyz and i'm just like um oh obelisk gate that's the one i have obelisk gate yeah so i feel a little bit yeah. better knowing that you did that too unlike okay, so cool. <laughs> same thing happened to me probably about a decade uh -huh. ago with uh the millennium trilogy if you don't like girl with a dragon tattoo that whole thing girl who yeah, kicked the horn and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. but i didn't realize it until i had read the entire novel <laughs> mm -hmm. i was like this is riveting but wow. i don't understand what's happening i hope i get more context in the next book <laughs> uh, I, books sometimes are just it drives me nuts this is kind of a tangent pet peeve but it drives me so nuts when they don't when a series of books i don't want to say like what they're doing with movies now like the twilight saga new moon or anything no i don't i don't really care um like that way but like just put like in the inside sleeve or in small text on the cover book three of blank series so that people don't accidentally pick up the wrong book because it happens so often because they're not properly labeled basically and it drives me nuts and like to be fair to the millennium trilogy it might have it doesn't have it on the cover but it might have it like on the side or like inside thing but i was dumb and i was how i was like 20 ish so yeah. <laughs> i was just like hey this book looks cool <laughs> But even so, it's just like it shouldn't be hidden somewhere. It should be like somewhere prominent where if you're looking at a bookstore, you don't even have to like flip a couple of pages in. It's like either on the inside sleeve, on the front or on the back. Like, it, it comes up a lot in comics. Like one of the most common searches whenever you get into a comic book series is what's the reading order? Because it's never clear. Mm. Um, I recently mm. ran into this with the Buffy reboot. Me and my wife have been reading that. And she loves it a lot, but she leans on me. She's like, I don't know what comes next. What's the order? Because we're, we right. weren't buying them with the serials we weren't buying the monthly issues we were buying them in volumes after um after the fact so like which which volume do we buy to read in order because mm -hmm. it leads up to an event so it's like mm -hmm. buffy volume one angel volume one then you read buffy volume two and the one shot from buffy the chosen ones just issue one mm -hmm. and then you read hellmouth one through five uh, <laughs> and like it's really cool but like it is confusing it is not labeled well so you have to do your homework which is fun to me i'm sure endlessly tiring <laughs> to like anybody For who anybody doesn't read else. those <laughs> And then sometimes, like, there's something cool where it's, like, you can't tell if it's in continuity. Tom King has a really good Supergirl run, which they just announced is going to be the basis for the new Supergirl movie coming out in a few years. Um, and it's really cool. And it is kind of in continuity. Like, it matters to the main DC world of the comics. But you can also read it without knowing anything. But they don't tell you that. It's just called Tom King, Supergirl, uh hero of tomorrow world of tomorrow i can't something like that but instead of just going like i feel like they need to put a little label on it and be like you can read this if you've never read supergirl before or you don't right. know who batman is right now you should be yeah. able to to do that because so many people don't buy those things they're like well i've never fucking read supergirl i haven't read a batman comic in two years yeah. i'm gonna be lost or whatever but they should label it and be like no you can read this it's okay yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but anyways, on that diatribe, they're turning it into a goddamn role-playing game. N.K. Jemison's Yay. Broken Earth Trilogy is going to be turned into it. Um, Green Ronin Publishing, the masterminds behind uh, Mutants and Masterminds, uh, and both the adaptations of The Expanse and Dragon Age. We've talked about the Dragon Age game. We've mentioned Green mm -hmm. Ronin on here a lot with the whole OGL stuff. I love Green Ronin. They make some really cool games. I used to play Mutants and Masterminds before I just moved back to GURPS because GURPS is wonderful. And I also 
also used to use um, Mutants and Masterminds for all my superhero games before I moved over to Cortex. So, um, mm-hmm. th- But they do make cool stuff. People really, really dig it. But specifically, they're going to be facilitating this move, uh, which is really exciting. People really like that book. I've seen a lot of people pop on Twitter for it. Um Chase Carter did a huge write-up over on Dicebreaker. I'm not going to read the whole article, um, partly because I just don't know anything about about the series. But people mm-hmm. seem to be excited about this move. Uh, I know you haven't read it, but are you excited about no. this? I'm excited for more fantasy series that people love and appreciate and loud getting like a reimagined basically into a tabletop role-playing game whether that's from like a movie franchise or like a book franchise i think that's a great way to like get more fans or just appeal to fans who really really love that world and want to play in it so i'm really happy for the people those people specifically who've maybe made worlds for like D or gurps or like any other system and have played in that world doing it themselves but now they're gonna have like an official world maybe to play in to take some of the work off their shoulders and yes. that seems really cool for them and i'm really happy um i i've been trying to do a night angel game if you don't know uh a fun like why uh fantasy series from back in the day and i couldn't find one so i had built it in gurps and that was my first yeah. foray into gurps fantasy but it's a lot of work and like sometimes it's just easier if, like there's just a system that does the thing that mm-hmm. you like your setting so this is exciting it's going to use the age system so if you don't know it's the three uh six-sided dice system uh, and then along with a drama die for audacious stunts they've used it in some of the other games we've mentioned earlier um they're going to use the origin and cessing the earth-based magic system from the world but it's rare and distrusted just like in the books so i don't know what that means it's it's cl- mostly classless they said but i'm sure there's going to be some way to rein it in but people are excited about all the things they said that all sounds cool it'd be worth checking out but i feel like it's going to pressure me into <laughs> reading all those books yeah <laughs> which might be good they might be fucking awesome um i've heard good things and i already own the third one so uh <laughs> yeah just gotta buy the first we both have to buy the first <laughs> oh man i I don't know if i'm gonna do that today but i'll check it out um finally on bits and bobs we have the solo but not alone's third annual bundle offers nearly 150 single player tabletop rpgs for suicide prevention this comes from chase carter over at dicebreaker all proceeds will benefit suicide prevention charity jasper game uh jasper's game day um so it's a bundle of single-player tabletop RPGs for a good cause. A collection of nearly 150 titles is being sold at $10 minimum and will donate all proceeds to suicide prevention charity Jasper's Game Day. You get the entire collection for $10. Um, good cause. Awesome stuff in there. I'm just going to look at like the top end. Let's see if there's any games that we've talked about on here. I'm sure there are. Probably um, yeah let's see spell of the week what waits beneath hero be damned oh man there are so many fucking games on here (laughs) uh so many that i haven't even heard of which is really exciting there's some obviously that we've talked about here trying to see if any of my favorite solo rpgs it was such a cool discovery a few years ago with gigantic i believe is the the one that got me really into it but there's Mm -hmm. um there's so many really really cool ones single samurai there's one that i have um that one i recommend uh but if you like journaling if you like rpgs but don't have a group to play with if you're feeling sad lonely rpgs are a great escape if you don't want to read another novel you can play a solo rpg you can go on these adventures even if you don't have a group or even if you have a group and you want to compare notes um that's something that i really like doing is uh playing with other people and comparing what our adventures were 
Uh, so just know you're not alone. There's links for um, help if you are feeling suicidal, if you're having those dark thoughts. You're not alone. You will be missed. There are places you can go and people to talk to. This is for a great cause, and there are tons of awesome places to go and look for friends or find adventures. So just remember that. Uh, follow that link. $10 gets you the entire bundle. You have one month, 26 days, and 15 hours. So don't feel like you have to rush off and do it right now, but you should anyways. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that got serious real quick. <laughs> For a good reason. It was all, all good For things good, to talk. Good reason, good cause. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, next up is our serious segment, The Village Crier, where we talk about the actual news, the actual <laughs> things that are hitting, not just shit that you can buy, even though you should buy that shit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, this comes from Linda Codega over at Gizmodo slash io9. Dungeons and Dragons scraps plans to update its open game license. That's right. They've fully walked it back. That's why this episode is called the OGL Walkback Part 2. Because they just said, fuck it. <laughs> Our bad. Oopsie-poopsie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oopsie-poopsie. Based on um, their findings when it came to their little survey they did that they definitely read. They have at least looked at the results oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> um, it was something like 60 to 80% said, yeah, no, nah, we're, we're done with this. Um, I, 80. I'm 80%. I it, yeah, I have the numbers. Yeah, 88% do not want to publish TTRPG content over under... 1.2 90% would have to change some aspect of their business to accommodate OGO 1.2 89% are dissatisfied with deauthorizing OGO 1.0a 86% are dissatisfied with the draft VTT policy and 62% are satisfied with including SRD content and creative commons and the majority of those who are dissatisfied act- asked for more SRD content in creative commons Big numbers. Wow. <laughs> Allegedly, from what they published, which those numbers don't surprise me. Not at all. So I'm inclined to believe that these are correct numbers. Yes. Um, and uh, I, best decision they can make, uh, definitely the SRD going to Creative yeah. Commons is an awesome choice. It's great for the community. That means they don't have to, no matter if they come out with another one later on, fifth edition, the most i would say people's favorite version of the game um i know people that prefer 3.5 still me and some of my older gamers still mess around with that and pathfinder but i know the majority of players prefer fifth edition i know i do when it comes to dungeons and dragons um i like things about 3.5 but fifth edition just arguably is the easiest one to play with people and so many cool things that come out of it the fact that it's in creative commons if you don't know creative commons means the people own it and it's like uh, it's kind of like if you ever hear about something being in public domain. So like uh, a book that's really old or a movie that like lots of people can sell on DVD or play on any station because the people own it. That's what Creative Commons is. They basically gave it to the people. So specifically SRD, which is the standard rule book. Um, so the I don't think that that's technically the player's handbook. I think it's technically uh, the first book with all of just the rules in it. Um, and specific callouts to spells and things like that uh, is now owned by the people. So people can use that as the basis to make all of their games if they want to. You can call out some really cool things in there. Like they mentioned spells that were copywritten before, like Fireball and stuff like that. Yep. Um, which is really interesting. I don't know if a Fireball is a good example. I don't know if that one's copywritten, but there are some that are that are listed in the SRD uh so uh, it's that's exciting uh the best decision they could do in my opinion which we'll get into in a second uh too late (laughs) (laughs) too 
late. <laughs> Which we're going to do in another story here in a second. But I definitely, uh, I wouldn't say it's too little too late. This is the correct decision. This is the correct amount. Yeah. They yeah. will need to do more to win people back, but I don't think they can win yeah. everyone back. Um, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Shar, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is there anything I missed on this story that you want to get into? But also, um, I want to hear from you about, because you were one of the ones you were like, listen, I'm not going to spend more money with Wizards, but I'm not going to stop playing D&D because I love D&D, right? Like, you were like, I'll try other systems, but I'm not giving up on playing specifically Dungeons & Dragons even though I'm going to spite Watsky. <laughs> so, right. so where does this leave you? Is this enough? Are you like, okay, cool, all the stuff I like, safe? So, where are you at? Well, it's I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I think I agree with you in that it's the best thing that they could have done to be like, we oopsie poopsied, um, and we are not going to release any like new version of the OGL. For the foreseeable future fifth edition is protected um adding some stuff to creative commons even though i'm positive they can you know you can't copyright or trademark any mechanics but you know using creative commons for spells i think maybe characters mm -hmm. people were you know wondering about like who are technically owned by wizards of the coast and D, &D. um i'm i think this was the correct step it just really sucks that like the community was basically tearing itself apart for two weeks and i say this only because i was on twitter for most of it so twitter is a very small but opinionated group of the D, &D community right? i've never heard that about so, twitter is it, is it kind of yeah. a volatile location to communicate a little with people? bit i don't know if you heard interesting um, but yeah <laughs> it's it's very you know there's no room for nuance people had their opinions people didn't there were some conversations going on, but it was always very volatile. There was never any one correct opinion on any of it. And being embroiled in that, a lot of people stepped away from social media. And I do not blame them at all for it, especially big creators, because they were getting a lot of heat. People were accusing them of, you know, being tied with wizards and being plants, basically, <laughs> which was ridiculous because most creators that I follow and respect, like, were just like, yeah, this fucking sucks. Let's talk about it. But they still got reamed, you know? So. I love the idea that people get so paranoid. They're like, oh, there's shills. There's people here that yeah. are working for this company. I was like, listen, there are some parts of the world and parts of capitalism that that does exist right this guerrilla sure. marketing aspect it happens i think sometimes in stocks like i see that where people are like 100%. clearly they're like hey buy this one i'm like okay clearly yeah. there's an agenda here but when when smaller like still large companies but smaller groups of people are like well they definitely work i always see it in like video games like all oh, these people were bribed to give this game a 10 i was like you don't know what people right. are paid because there's no money <laughs> to be right. to be bribing people with like there are there are successful people in the space like content creators or independent publishers sure. or what have you but they're not like millionaire shills you know so it was just seeing how toxic the community became after two weeks is gonna take a really long time to heal from that and being somebody who has to be on twitter for the podcasts and stay up to date on the news seeing it from that perspective like yes this was a win i think we should treat it as a win and I think we should learn as a community not to be complacent and to always remember that our voices are so important. And no matter how much of a big, bad, evil guy that capitalism is or Hasbro or whoever your big bad was in this situation, the people's voices fucking matter and they've always mattered. And you can you can make the change you want to see in the world. You really can. This will be in like five years time 
I think, a very inspirational story. 100%. Right now, it's the healing process is starting and people are finally like letting out that breath, unclenching Mm -hmm. from like how Mm -hmm. volatile this whole situation has been. And so seeing it from that perspective, I'm like, yes, this was a win. I'm really excited to like say that I was there for this part of history. (laughs) Honestly, not even going to lie about it. I'm like, I was there. I was there when the Twitter, you know, collapsed. But because of that, it's really, I, I don't know when myself or anybody else who's in the social media or like in the D&D community online I don't know if slash when we're ever going to trust Hasbro, definitely, but maybe even Wizards of the Coast and the higher-ups there again. Yeah. Anything that they put out, and that's a good amount of skepticism to have. You should never fully trust any corporation or any person, honestly, but who has, like, some monetary, you know, they can benefit monetarily from something. Always be a skeptic. But it just kind of sucks because, like, for a really long time, everybody's like, oh, Wizards is super improving. Their games are so much better. And, yeah, they fuck up a lot, but they're so much better than TSR was <laughs> right. in the 90s. It's just a, such a low bar is the thing. Like It is. Yeah. It's, it's on the floor. Bar. It's a huge low bar, and they still <laughs> manage to, like, limbo under it. And I'm like, this is the same shit, but a different decade. <laughs> um, And, yeah, I... I am, I think I'm still also healing from it. I definitely, I didn't really trust them much before as a corporation, but I definitely don't trust them now. And I think that's the the general consensus of it. And yeah, I'll still keep playing D&D. Um, I probably won't buy any new books for a really long time. I definitely will never get a D&D Beyond subscription. I never had one to begin with, but... I had one right before. I, I hadn't had one for... I know like, you did. So bad. I just signed up for it. I was like, all right, bite the bullet. Let's do yeah, this. And I'm like, well, I guess I can't. I got one month. Oh, <laughs> uh, that sucks. What an awful timing. <laughs> I was like, well, this uh, is a waste of... I don't even remember how much it was. Yeah, so I'll still keep playing it. I view D&D as a great tool and a great system for the stories that I want to tell through tabletop and, like, basically three campaigns, really, that I have going right now that I'm a player and a DM in. Like, I love the system, but as a company and supporting the products that they're putting out, I'm going to be skeptical for the foreseeable future as you should be honestly with any corporation they're not your friends they're yeah. selling a product you can like that product a lot i love marvel movies I, and i like what disney has done with a lot of that shit i don't trust disney inherently like that's no. not a thing like they're not a person as much as congress wants to tell me they are uh, <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> it's not it's not really how it works um and also i think like people like you brought up a really good point last week and it's something worth remembering is like some of these people that we viewed as underdogs in the situation are still million dollar companies right like paizo is not a mom and pop shop you know and they definitely have skeletons in their closet with how they treat people artists specifically if you want like if you want like a specific anecdote like look at the people who do the art for paizo um they are not the bad guy in this situation but that doesn't mean they couldn't become that so spread the wealth Mm -hmm. buy some lots of games not 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 buy paizo stuff but like check out lots of games check out green ronin check out lots of these little small publishers um 
Watsky has been losing a lot of faith, uh, or the people have been losing a lot of faith in Watsky for a while, not just on the because of Hasbro and not just because of D&D. Magic the Gathering is seeing a mass exodus um, in the way that they're treating that community is kind of sad. So this is not new. Um, this is just a continuation of that. So I'm in I'm in a similar boat. I'll probably keep playing D and D to a sort, but I'm probably not going to buy any more new books. And I'm going to use this as my moment to push as many new games on people as possible because there's so many cool things out there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, check that out. I got lots of links in the description if you want to follow along. If you want to read that for yourself, you totally can. You should um next up on their terrible no good very bad year as i'm calling it because it just keeps getting worse hasbro to cut 15 percent of employees after disappointing holiday sales um so yeah it's not stopping just because uh they're putting shit in the srd on uh on the creative commons uh this comes from spencer perry over at comicbook.com hasbro one of the biggest toy manufacturers in the world with licensing including marvel star wars transformers and obviously wizards of the coast is set to being massively laid off the company confirmed the news in a press release reveling that uh, re- reveling. <laughs> I was reading directly from the article. You got a couple of typos <laughs> here, bud. Uh, that, revealing that 15% of their global workforce will be cut throughout the next year. Roughly 1,000 jobs in total. Lackluster sales from the holiday season 2022 um, are what they're citing as the cause, with sales uh, reportedly down as much as 17% year over year, with toy sales failing and the Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering brands actually rising in sales. This is something we talk about a lot is that for a long time it was kind of a well-kept secret that has Rose money came from wizards of the coast like a large portion yeah. of that and when investors found out about that they pushed it they said well well if they're worth so much let's milk them for everything they're worth as investors often are uh the shareholders are monsters public uh, companies are a bad idea anyways um and uh, they, they pushed this narrative that we that it's under monetized you heard that quote and so they're already having a bad year and now their cash cows are also going to continue having a bad year uh this year so they're they're looking at the economy and getting ahead of that lots of places are, are doing layoffs microsoft just laid down laid off something like ten thousand employees so yeah. this is by far not a surprise um it's still sad like you know it's going to come from watsky even though they're that's you know they're uh um a big money bringer in for the company but they're definitely still going to be losing people and anybody losing a job fucking sucks um especially when it's just laid off because of numbers from a company it's different right when there's cause but there's no cause for this this is just large corporations controlling the world and people suffering for it so it sucks and it's sad um and i'm glad that they're pointing out that watsky is up in numbers they're not trying to blame this on on oh people are boycotting wizards so Uh, We have to lay off people, which I'm sure we're going to see some point in the narrative that changing. Like, that's going to be a log line somewhere. But right now, they're not citing it, which is a good idea because it's just going to make us revolt more. Um, I'm interested to see how the D&D movie performs with all this news. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a correlation there, but I'm sure there's going to be some some sort of connection. There might be some, but also they're they're 
really trying to appeal to the mass market with the D and D movie. Mm-hmm. Like they they are marketing the shit out of this movie. I think which we'll talk more about later. Yeah. So it, it was <laughs> a hit, but I don't think that it'll be that. Big. And that's also not really like how it works, right? Like it's farmed out to a studio that they own, yeah. like one production, which I guess they they don't own it anymore. But you know what I mean? Like it's uh, yeah, it's not necessarily connected. But that's the way that businesses fall. Eventually, those dominoes connect. So. Um, next up, speaking of their no good, very bad year, it seems like they bolstered their competition heavily. Pathfinder and Call of Cthulhu RPG sell out months worth of books in two weeks after D&D OGL backlash. Um, um, specifically I saw Paizo and Call of Cthulhu. This comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker, but they are not the only ones that sold well in this entire thing. Uh, but they made out like gangbusters um they they received a jump in sales let's see if i can get some actual sales figure uh paizo thank you for the kind words these last few days for the overwhelming support of our product and opening uh on the open gaming sale it has been a critical hit as they called it um a truly monstrous surge as they as they said uh call of cthulhu also um shared a similar uh boon i would say uh, this comes on the heels of, you know, like 1500 different companies and games joining the orc license. So they're having a good year already. That definitely bolstered their confidence. I'm sure in releasing their new products. Uh, what do you think about D and D basically giving them a six month lead? Wow. Who could have seen this? Coming? <laughs> um, everyone, <laughs> literally everyone like was flocking and, The amount of people that kind of jokingly, but half jokingly, and I saw this specifically not with Call of Cthulhu, but with Pathfinder. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's always been kind of this like friendly, but maybe not so friendly, like (laughs) feud between people on Twitter that I've noticed about which is better, D&D or Pathfinder. People have very specific opinions. They pit them against each other, which kind of makes sense because Pathfinder was born because of you know, stuff in the past with D&D and sure. another gaming license. So it does make sense. They have been in bed together, I guess you could say, for a really long time. So I understand why people have their very specific opinions on it. But I remember when this first started coming out, people were joking that, like, uh, prepare for, like, the onslaught of people saying, well, now you can finally play Pathfinder. <laughs> it's um, all over the place. It's all over, at least on the side of Twitter that I'm on specifically. So, like, I could, I, I saw this from a mile away. As soon as they said that they were selling out of months worth of products, I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not even a little bit surprising, all jokes aside. But good for these companies. More people are going to be trying their games. Um, I think it's, pretty predictable that this happened but it's kind of I, I also kind of want to see the actual like for real numbers though i don't know if they'll ever be released but <laughs> i want to see them <laughs> pathfinder like can be played exactly like D. it's got more of a crunchier base so if you like the raw mechanics if you like to lean into that it's great for that and that's where a lot of groups mm-hmm. play it that's why they prefer it like there's a mechanical reason mm-hmm. why you would carry a baton versus a club right like there's lots of cool right. little things like there's that difference I don't care about that stuff, so Pathfinder has never been, like, my draw. Sure. The, the thing I like about it is the action economy. You get three actions that you can do whatever the fuck you want with versus you get a move and an action mm-hmm. type thing. It just makes more sense mm-hmm. on that that scale. But a lot of the people I know that play Pathfinder play the 3.5 rules as written super heavy into the wargaming of it, so I've never had mm-hmm. a group to go into it. Um, I also, I just, I'm not 
as big into their world because it's a lot same thing like we've talked about with like matt mercer stuff it's just it's it's a very similar world to forgotten realms and i already know forgotten realms there's better stuff in it than forgotten realms for sure i think it's just it was written yeah. later on right like it's just easy to say oh this is more inclusive right or because it doesn't have all the baggage exactly obviously. again it's just obvious and like at that point i'm like well, i'll just do my own setting stuff you know so yeah. for that pathfinder was- it's got some cool shit in there uh be wary of the number crunch i would say um the numbers get bigger like like uh a common skill check when you get really high it's like well i get a plus 12 to this uh that's like an expertise number because i get those numbers all the time but that's just because i really like playing bards and rogues right right (laughs) like not for but that's like a lower level that's like just that's that's a common um level of it like oh yeah that's what i mean like that's a yeah like the number like your dcs get much higher in um in pathfinder because there's just more numbers involved is that kind of how 3.5 used to be? 100. percent Um, not nearly okay. as much. Not not like Pathfinder definitely takes it to the extreme, and Pathfinder 2e continues that. But it was like that in 3.5 as well. 3.5 was really I... notorious with if you played rules as written, there were classes that you should play, kind of like in a like MMO yeah. type sense. Like if you're playing rules yeah. as written, you're not going to get very far as uh, Ranger um type thing it's similar yeah. with pathfinder as well <laughs> um so and i'm really bad at math so it's a really hard upsell for me dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot to it it's cool for a lot of reasons just like many games like there's some awesome parts of it and there's parts that you're not gonna like um there's no perfect game for every single group so no. check it out if you want to let me know what you think because i'm always looking for a group if you play pathfinder but not so war gamey hit me up we'll play um moving on to our bardic inspiration segment this is where we talk about all the media and entertainment news and the ttrpg space first up worlds beyond number hits 10k patrons in under 12 hours this comes from brennan lee mulligan on twitter um very excited that in under 12 hours they hit many of their goals and i think they're close up to 20k now um insane yes it is insane i think uh one it speaks to that entire group if you don't know worlds beyond number is a new actual play podcast from many of the minds over at dimension 20 and lots of other places on the internet abri eingard erica ishii lou wilson and brennan lee mulligan uh many of those if you follow actual plays dimension 20 dropout tv anything like that you have probably heard many of these names they are awesome i was really excited for it i'm a patron i am (laughs) i am part of that but uh part of what was really cool is that they're finally doing their own thing mostly those four have appeared on other people's actual plays whether that be the critical role network on dropout for dimension 20 um they they recently did vampire uh, the masquerade they just did their actual play which i highly recommend if you're looking to get into that familiar faces playing it. it was really cool um i learned a lot plus it was just very entertaining uh so obviously their popularity contributed to this but also they did some really smart things with patreon so they only did one tier on patreon most people do several tiers which is great if you want to incentivize people paying more give an option for people to pay less if they have not but if you want to just draw the most the general people to it having one tier for five dollars gives you all of their content very simple to understand if you've never used patreon before was a really really cool move um really straightforward we do a podcast every week um released weekly we're doing one campaign for a year it's going to last over the entire year after that we're going to switch gms probably switch settings probably switch systems um we're going to do 
bonus fireside chats on our Patreon uh, that like get into the game, what we're doing, the ideas behind stuff, and they're also doing a Patreon-only um, prequel campaign called The Children's Adventure um, that takes place before the campaign to give everyone's backstories out, basically. They're like solo games where like the first episode was a Bria's character just explaining what her backstory was um so yeah it, it was man i cried i laughed like it was crazy Aww. um so i highly recommend it. i'm super excited for them i was really excited to see this the first game definitely running D D with some custom classes in there custom setting that they've all made and worked together on um but they've already said they're going to change systems they're going to change gms everyone's going to have a chance to gm out of that group it'll be cool to see erica ishii um gm one because she's never done that before so i'm excited for that yeah um it was very entertaining i highly recommend it cram daniel is uh something i'm very excited for and all of his hoop <laughs> dreams uh if you know you know if you don't that's okay um go subscribe make that a reality uh he's already got a theme song so <laughs> i know all the words sound like i'm saying a gibberish it all matters it's all important <laughs> are you going to subscribe to the world's beyond number patreon um i think maybe after i um i want to see what they put out publicly first sure. i think before i um like pledge money uh but i i'm not opposed to the idea but also i just don't subscribe to a lot of patreons because i have so many other subscriptions that i have what a hypocrite a monetary what problem. a hypocrite we're asking people to subscribe <laughs> to our patreon but you won't do it wow um well the worst <laughs> Similar to ours, you get early access to the the weekly podcasts if you subscribe to their their Patreon, um, and then a week later they put it out into the public. But nice. the children's campaign is forever behind that paywall, as well as the fireside chats. Mm -hmm. But they are putting out the the actual play episodes each week on their thing, just a week following if you're a Patreon. Um, so mm -hmm. you can you don't have to subscribe; you can still totally go and listen. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, it looks like, like I think, estimated they're going to be able to do this at least funded for two years. So, uh, yeah. like, and that's only off, of like, a, a month's game. Like, you know, at least 20K people at $5 uh, a pop. Uh, it's really cool. I'm really happy for them. It's fully um, audio engineered, so you have sound effects, you have editing. Yeah. Uh, they've kept each episode so far down to an hour. Um, so this is the one episode of the children's campaign they've put out as well as their fireside chat. So a similar investment, if you were a fan of, uh, D 20 so far, I don't know what the actual mm -hmm. show is going to be like that might go critical role style and go four hours. The main thing behind this is they wanted to do a home game style. They wanted to play with their mm -hmm. friends and they said, well, why not make us pay for it? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make money well, off this. Really yeah talented and people will probably want to hear it <laughs> right exactly so I, I was excited for that uh so yeah check out worlds beyond number uh next up critical roles mighty nine heads to prime video uh they've had huge success with vox machina and now they are expanding into the second campaign yes Question mark, second, second campaign um yeah. they've signed a deal for at least one season over at amazon uh are you excited for this? If you don't know, Mighty Nine is their second campaign over at Critical Role, and they're doing another cartoon in the vein of Vox Machina. Uh, that there's uh, really no more news other than that, right? Like that's what's happening. 
Well, that and, like, they signed this. Well, nobody knows the real numbers, obviously, which they shouldn't because people would probably gag. Um, <laughs> but they have, yeah, so they've signed a deal to do at least a first season of Mighty Nine. And they also, the Amazon also has first look at any movies that they do, which I was, Ooh, that's what interesting. Me by interesting. I didn't know like, that. What would they do for a movie? Because I know they do one shots within their worlds and, like, um, shorter stories. Yeah. Um, so they the, all like the Exandria Unlimited. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe that if they wanted to stick in animation or maybe an official critical role documentary, I could also see. I would so love to see the documentary. Um, Same. I, but I also <laughs> Exandria. You're, you're a, so we, we, I am also a horror for docs, but uh, <laughs> we have gothic horror horrors and uh and we have doc horrors i am excited like just again onto the world beyond number stuff because abria lou and brennan have yeah. all appeared on other critical role stuff i'm not sure if erica has um yes she has oh she was, she they they have their um oh they they just guested on oh, what was it i think their most recent campaign campaign three. Oh hell yeah hell yeah um so potentially seeing the four of them pop up because like i know i, I like critical oh, yeah. role i like box machina specifically i've had a lot of fun with that show but, but my own like oh if potentially getting a, a character voiced by some of these awesome people too oh, i'm I like know, oh right? that's so exciting uh that'd be so cool i just love like the, I, they're all finding this much success is really neat I am so happy for them, and it's been so, just so intriguing, because, like, actual plays are so new, and, like, they are in this, I feel like, I don't know if we're in a golden age, because they're so new, but, like, everything is so new and exciting, and we're seeing campaigns being turned into animated shows, and that's so rad, and I'm, it's gonna open the door for so many other, like, maybe smaller creators uh -huh. in the role on Dimension 20, to pitch stuff to people like Amazon, be like, hey, this started out as a D&D campaign, and they can use that for marketing, and they know people will go and see it. And that's super freaking cool as a concept. In my Well, as a D&D nerd and as a tabletop role-playing person, I'm really excited for what this means for the future. But as for the Mighty Nine, that wasn't my favorite campaign that Critical Role <laughs> um, However, it's totally my opinion because I started with Vox Machina and I know Mighty Nine was a lot of people's first Critical Role campaign they ever watched mm -hmm. because that's when they were really, re they had their own studio. There was a lot more buzz around them. And instead of watching, going back and watching like 100 plus episodes of Vox Machina, people went in with episode one of the Mighty Nine. So it means a lot to a huge portion of the critical role fandom and i'm super happy and excited for them because i've been literally on cloud nine with fox <laughs> machina because it's my favorite campaign they've ever done i love the story and the characters and just the everything about it so like if that joy can be brought to people whose favorite campaign is the mighty nine that's nothing but a good thing just because it's not my favorite campaign doesn't mean i'm not also excited to like not only see how they're going to interpret it because it's a totally different vibe too it's not as traditional fantasy they have way more grittier and like non-traditional characters and plot lines so it'll just be interesting to see but box market it will always be like my top jam 100%. well I, i'm super excited for for all of that stuff as well um you brought up a really interesting point which is like hey these big companies are noticing that similar like they did with the comic book boom that uh because ba basically companies that produce comics now a lot of them are just ip farming 
Um, 100%. Like, I've sold a couple of things, and, like, it's the comic books didn't even get made. But they now own the story. They'd be like, well, we got this. And if it ever does get made, if we ever do go to that, that writer, well, we can make at least six issues of it. It's going to have a fan base that we can sell to Amazon to make a show with eventually. You know? Like, yeah. they, they're just IP farming. And the fact that they're seeing... It, it, the capitalist dystopia sucks of, well, we can farm this thing for IP too. But mm-hmm. well, potentially we could get cool things off these actual plays. Like you think of like Nad Pod or Dungeons and Daddies mm-hmm. or, or, you know, any of the million others. Like, we're going to get a Dimension 20 cartoon sometime? Like... Uh, I'm gonna see right. fantasy high. Like th- there are there are a lot of cool things that this could expand to. So that's even, really exciting. Even beyond that, like I could see people who don't have actual plays or who don't have built-in audiences, but they like market their own like animated show or TV show, and they're like mm-hmm. actually like as part of their pitch, they're like actually this was part of a D and D campaign, and it has a lot of ties to Vox Machina, or it's very inspired by Mighty Nine, or it's very inspired by Dimension Twenty. People will know what that means now, yes. and I don't necessarily know that it'll get picked up. I have no idea. No, but, but you're right. It's it's that uh, it's the what's the word? Uh, it's the marketing speak, but it's like a way. Yeah. It's a shorthand. It's a colloquialism that these corporate suits will understand now. Just like how it's like, oh, this has the comic book energy. Now it ha- now it can have yeah. that actual play energy. This, this has D and D. Actual play D and D energy, and like the fact people know what that means now, and that it might get people's foot in the door to tell stories that they couldn't otherwise have gotten told before like from that perspective is also super exciting not even having that built-in audience just like somebody who literally was inspired by like their small time D campaign and built a whole world or tv show or movie around it and those stories that were you know made by this group of people could also see the light of day that nobody else would have known about otherwise is it's beautiful it, it is and like you you call it the golden age and i know you kind of walk that back you're like well i don't know if this is the best ones i think it's golden age in the way that comic books have the golden age which was like not the best comics ever it was but it was when they first flourished and then their yeah. second round was the silver age and then you have what we call the modern age now so like it's definitely the golden age where like people are seen this is hitting a general audience they are having a boom and what they yeah. do with that is just really fascinating um i'm holding out for that doc though because i'm a doc whore um and (laughs) we'll do a we'll do a watch along if there's a doc hell yeah hell yeah and you can get that over on our patreon for five (laughs) dollars oh man and finally on the the bardic inspiration segment we have dungeons and dragons honor among thieves are putting out books specifically three novels uh coming out next month uh no four novels damn (laughs) (laughs) holy yeah this this all came out of nowhere i was really surprised um i'm surprised they're not out right now to build hype uh you know get you into that world maybe they're not ready maybe they just have a plan uh but this is interesting uh written by jolly johnson ek johnston david lumen and amazon says one more eleni russo uh so this is all exciting i don't know anything about them but it is about the different characters so you have one about uh chris pratt's thief one about the Tifling, one about the group before the movie, and it looks like uh, one is just the art and making of Dungeons & Dragons. So, this is interesting. Oh, one of them is a junior novelization uh, of, of oh, the movie. okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, more sense. So you have two prequel comics, and, or two prequel books, one about the movie, and then one literally about the making of the movie. So, 
Okay. Um, yeah, so that's pretty so when cool. When we said they were kind of going ham with marketing, this is what I was. This is exactly what you're alluding like, to. <laughs> the the toys were really cool. I, I, well, I mean, you haven't seen it and heard about it, but they still do it. There's novelizations of still most big movies, uh, which yeah, is fascinating. But, like, but I know that there are novelizations of movies, like putting the script of the movie in books. But as for like prequel books that prelude the movie, uh-huh. maybe they have also been around. But like I haven't. It mostly happens in the superhero landscape. So, like, they'll do Ah, prequel comics and prequel novelizations of, like, Spider-Man stuff a lot. Um, Yeah. They do a lot with video games as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, uh, not to throw out more superhero stuff, but they did just do that with Spider-Man. So, the Spider-Man game got a prequel comic and a prequel novelization. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. So, it still happens, but it's interesting to see it happening in a different landscape outside of, like, superheroes and video games. D&D is a natural fit. I'm sure this was a really easy win for them. We were like, well, we, we you know, we have the whole Forgotten Realms imprint. Why not do um, books? So, Road to Neverwinter um, is the book about Chris Pratt's bard, Edgen, I believe his name is. Or Edgen. I don't know how you pronounce it. Right? It it has to be Edgen. Right? Because he's Edgen. Um, Or maybe there's a recurring joke that's like, no, it's not Edgen, it's Edgen, or whatever. Exactly. Go either way. And and as well as the Barbarian Holga. And then you have uh, Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves, colon, The Druid's Call. Um, about about Doric, the the typhling. Yeah, it's the same thing for the other one, too. Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves, colon, The Road to Neverwinter. Looks ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have the double colon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) oh man, but yeah, so that's it for the Bark Inspiration, and that's it for the Cave Trolls this week. If you want to follow us, you can follow us at cave trolls pod uh on twitter you can email us campykillcreations at gmail.com you can head on over to our website find all of our content for free campykillcreations.com if you want to support us get some bonus content early content you can do that over on patreon.com slash campykillcreations you can find me at resident stevel on twitter you can find all of my comic books under t.s luther that's my pen name so if you want to drag my name to the mud that's the one you use um or you know you can give me money i like that too uh, my comic book growing up is available and is expanding and i have some other comic books on the horizon so look out for that uh five stars only though come on what are you doing um you can <laughs> uh you can find charday on the internet where uh i am the better host of the slovenly trolls podcast where we every month talk about D lore and history uh and feminism and all that fun stuff and how to make the game better and how to improve on it and all that jazz. And I also run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter on the Hell site. Twitter at Slovenly <laughs> Trolls. <laughs> what about on Hive? Are you on Hive? I am, but honestly, I haven't been on it in like over a month. What about Mastodon? You on Mastodon? No. MySpace. That, that site scares me. You know, MySpace? I wish. MySpace is just for artists now, like um, music and stuff, which is sad. You can get on there. We can, we can put out an album. Watch out for Chardonnay's <laughs> mixtape <laughs> coming uh, February 2023. <laughs> <laughs> God, <fucking> no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but uh, Char also does the lore rewrites that we do over on Patreon. So on top of bonus like podcasts, uh, Char also rewrites problematic uh, D&D content 
you have a yeah. set of gods over there being rewritten right now we've rewritten yeah. monsters i do the art for them Lisa does the layouts it's real cool go do it damn it um <laughs> don't we, be like me subscribe to our patreon <laughs> exactly exactly um last month we did not Charess. what'd you call <laughs> yeah the free the, i called her the free lady the free lady exactly yeah um not charas <laughs> exactly and then have you announced what this month's is going to be yet i don't know what this month is gonna be <laughs> well hurry up so i can draw it damn it <laughs> i know i know i that's on my to-do list for the next couple days <laughs> all right but uh thanks for listening we've been the cave trolls and we're out and okay now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our patreon producers you keep the lights on you keep the mics rolling and really you make it possible to do all of this we want to give a special shout out thank you to the lorax who gets two special shout outs because i also thank you for speaking for the trees we also have jeremy raymond raymond thank you Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you, and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now.